right, we are recording now. So, all right. Thank you for listening to the Strong Calm Podcast. My name is Aaron Dunn, and this podcast is for helping you strengthen your calm. C-O-M, that is the root word for together or in common. And we use that root word in for the three C's. That's communication, community building, so you can build your company, whether that's the company that you're building, the business that you're building, or the company that you keep, a, a personal brand, whatever it is. And um, my job is to help you do that and connect you to other people who can help you do that. And I'm really, really excited about this guest today. His name is Blaze Foray. Blaze is an author, speaker, entrepreneur, uh, number one Amazon best-selling author, um, a preacher, political commentator, and agency manager of Foray Financial, a proud partner of the Leaser Group. Blaze, what's up, man? It's a lot of things, man. It's a lot of things. I don't know. Did I just make all that up? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Are you a Russian bot? Who knows? Yes, that's exactly right. I forgot to put that in there. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Aaron. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, do you have any other, uh, you know, skills, things that you want to add to that? Dude, uh, husband, um, I don't know if that's a skill. I'm working on that, trying to do my best to do to do that. We can put, we can rate me, to, we can get that from my wife, find out how well I do at that. Um, and then a father of a two-year-old who we're, uh, we have a handful with her, man. She's a lot of fun though. So, but those are the other two main things that I do in life, so. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, I want to jump right into it. Um, so that gives you that that gives like a ten thousand foot overview about like who you are and what you do. But um, if we could bring it down a little bit more to uh, you know a granular level on like what you do every day, because I think there's a lot of people out there today that they have their work, they have their eight to five work or nine to six or whatever it is, and then there's this extra layer, this like this this hobby, this hustle that happens on the weekend and you are unique in that you've kind of fused them both together in a way. Um, at least from the outside looking in. Um, so if, if you could, uh, just kind of give us a little bit, give me a little bit of a little bit more context in your career path, um, maybe in the last like five years, what that, what that's looked like, just so people can get a little bit more clarity on what your, ongoing work is and, and yeah. what you're passionate about doing. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. So, um, yeah, the, the last five to seven years would be a good overview, probably in a short snippet, but you know, I mean, you and I had, I don't know if we even met, but I know you, when we talked last night, you told me that you showed up at the, uh, the generation North, um, meeting that I did in 2013 when right. I was preaching at that event at that time, um, you know, I was, I think I was 30 years old. I had just launched out on my speaking career as far as independently, you know, before that I was, I had worked at a couple ministries and had opportunities to speak and preach through those ministries and had, you know, 
my positions there. But launching out in 2013 was a big deal for me, separating from a larger ministry and going out on my own. And I wrote a book and did a speaking tour and everything. Yeah, I, I worked with a buddy of mine and we put the whole thing together. You know, it was like, I, I mean, we, we, we spoke all over the country for a 25 to 30 day period, traveled all over the country doing a book tour. And uh, that was a, that was a big deal, you know, and I always think back to that. I, it's, it was definitely ministry, but it's very entrepreneurial when you step out like that on your own, you know, you're stepping out onto the water. And, uh, and that was, that was a pretty awesome opportunity for me over that year doing that. Um, I met my wife toward the end of that year and, uh, we, you know, we got engaged, we got married and, um, actually met her on eHarmony. Um, that's how we, that's how we met. So, um, we got engaged, we got married and then she was, you know, she's, both of us are very free spirited and, and entrepreneurial types. And so we just don't like the nine to five thing. Um, she at the time was a professional photographer and yeah, I was traveling and speaking. I had to, we just kind of looked at our lives and like, okay, how are we going to blend this? How do we, how do we, you know, start a new and a fresh as one and kind of figure out our directions here. And, you know, the truth is I didn't want to be gone all the time, you know, to make the kind of money I would need to make, at least at that time in my current mindset at that time, um, in order to provide for a family, you know, I would need to be gone a lot. And I just, I don't know that I think you just got to follow your heart and your passions because I had for years, I had just been preaching for 10, 15 years. I mean, I started preaching in high school. Um, and then once I got out of high school, I got into ministry school, I was preaching for years. And, uh, but I just felt like a pullback on that and just to focus on my marriage and to focus on this new um, opportunity I had in front of me with my marriage. And at the same time, it was, I was going through probably some like, you know, this is another topic, but going through some kind of a theological transformation at the time as well. And, um, and when you're going through that, sometimes you don't want to talk. You don't want to stand up in front of everybody and talk, you know, and be like, well, I don't know what to tell you guys about what I think about this or that right now. I kind of want to take this internal for a few years and see what happens. But, uh, so that, that all that conglomeration happening at the same time in 2014, 2015 led me, Aaron, to doing, you know, oftentimes when we find ourselves in a rut, we revert to where what we know is comfortable. I found myself working uh, behind a coffee bar as a barista again at 31, 32 years old, which was the last job I had at, at age 18, you know, before I got into ministry. And so I was pulling shots, running coffee. And, um, you know, that was, uh, man, that was, it was a lot of fun, but it was really hard because you, you definitely don't make money and you, it's definitely tough to just grind that out, you know, literally and, um, figure out how to provide for a family. I was doing a couple things, uh, other things on the side, um, always hustling, doing some social, I ran a couple social media accounts for some local artists and different things. Um, just made me pennies, you know, but it, it helped us get by. And at the same time, my wife started a business. So we were doing a lot. We had our hands on a lot of things at the time. Um, all of that led to probably a couple, about a year later, you know, just hitting this point going, okay, I'm not ready to jump back in full-time ministry yet. I don't feel that leading in my heart. Um, I don't even know what the heck I'm doing with my life. I'm just going to put my resume out there and see if I can, you know, just find a freaking job that'll pay the bills, you know? And, um, I got hit up by a car dealership, which was the dream for me, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I went in, I got the job and I figured out I could sell. 
you know, I figured out I, I could do well selling because selling at the end of the day, it's just about connecting with people and caring about people. And, um, you know, obviously you want to be selling something you believe in, but you know, I just connected with these people and I, I worked there for three months, became one of the top salespeople and got recruited out of there pretty quickly. This was late 2016 into the insurance industry, um, into a niche market of the life insurance industry called mortgage protection. And, um, you know, we're, we basically broker with nine different insurance carriers. Uh, we work on a lead system and we're able to, you know, go out and protect families and help them get their house covered, their mortgage payment covered with an insurance product in the case of a death or a disability, and it pays off their home for them. So, um, that was, it was interesting when I transitioned that made that transition. And I found myself sitting in homes, you know, selling to, to these people, it was so much more natural to me, um, because I could sit there and it wasn't about a sale. Literally we're consultants. We got all these, we got 85 products. It's not like a pitch and close type of thing. We could sit there, talk to them, say, all right, you folks filled out our form. You were interested. I'm here to help you. And we sit down and talk to them. And I, I'd sit there for an hour, hour and a half and help people get, find out what's important to them, find out what they care about and make a really solid connection. And then just find out what they needed and fill that need with one of the insurance products that our company would provide. And so, um, that led me to, you know, just really going after it hard in 2016, 2017, getting really good at that. Well, within the company structure, um, the gentleman that started our company, his name is Art Leaser. He's been doing this now for about 20 years. So he's very, very successful. He's multimillionaire, got a lot of integrity and, um, and I connected really well with him. That's why I really wanted to move forward with this company. So within the structure, you know, he allows for kind of like real estate, kind of like a Keller Williams type of setup or where you can basically own your own franchise and build out your own company and hire on other you know, agents. So that's what I did. Um, you know, I, I saw the opportunity to not just go out and be a, you know, a really good salesperson or consultant, but I saw the opportunity to do what I love doing, which is connecting with people and providing opportunity for others. Um, you know, I had a guy ask me the other day, why did you build a team? Why? I said, this is just in me. I can't not do it. If I, if I have that chance, I, I, I make, I made disciples for years and now I'm in the business world. I've got to replicate myself. It just is what it is, you know? So I started building that out and, um, man, it's been awesome. That's been, we're three and a half years into it. And, um, you know, that first year was a grind and, you know, we had to push through a lot of struggle and I worked, it was like working two full-time jobs because I was recruiting nonstop and I was selling nonstop driving all over North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, um, working with my clients to sell. And then on the, on the phone in between those appointments on the, when I got home, you know, uh, to my wife, often I was on the phone recruiting and training other agents how to sell and do what I was doing. And man, I did that for two years and my wife was a putting up with me, but, um, it got us to where we are today, where I'm able to be out of the field. I'm consistently working from my phone, you know, um, connect, I've got about 40, 45 agents that work with me. Um, probably 30 to five of them are consistent, you know, working and that's built out a annualized premium per month is about $350,000 within our team. What that means is that um, it's about 350 policies that my team is selling per month. So as I work with my team and build out the structure and train them, it's all remote, you know, cause they're all over the nation. So I take calls throughout the day. I train my other agent mentors and agent agent managers to do the same thing I do. So I don't have to take calls from all 45 of them. Um, but I'm on the phone, you know, throughout the day recruiting because we're growing right now 
and training, you know, most of the day. But um, that has led to, you know, where I've worked from home most of the time. Um, and at this point, I just hit a point where we just got into an office uh, because got a two-year-old at home. She is getting to that point where she's getting louder and hollering more often. So I, I just, I just got an office space, but um, all that leads to the answer of your question. My day-to-day has mostly been, you know, uh, working from my phone, from my home in the middle of, you know, also doing the other things that I'm passionate about, which is I love writing. I love blogging. Uh, I just kicked my blog off again, just this last you know month or two ago, but um, I'm an avid Facebook user and uh, you know, I'm an avid social media user. I think, I think you can't have too much content out there. And um, so I love putting content out, no, whatever is in my heart, whatever I'm passionate about at the time. So, you know, whether that's inspiration, whether that's religion, whether that's politics, I'm going to talk about what I'm, what I'm thinking about. So uh, back to you, Aaron, I just took up all the, the rest of the, <laughs> the show right there. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. That's uh, I think you uh, touched on a few different things um, that uh, open up, the first C of the podcast, uh, for, for communi- communication. And it's funny how our, uh, we, we have a uh, life experience that kind of runs parallel in a way. And it just only makes sense that we, we got connected, you know, way back when at a church, uh, I grew up in a church and, um, cut my teeth on public speaking and trying different things out and expressing myself in a creative way through the lens of church. And that's why I think it's just a beautiful thing for any family. And it's a very unique thing that, um, you know, I, I think is taken for granted, um, for anybody who is with, uh, outside of it, um, because it, it can be such a formative experience for, for young people and for older, just to, to try new things in a safe, uh, trusting environment, uh, in a, in an end in a constructive way. Um, also, uh, car sales, I've got some, uh, car sales experience and no you way. said, you know, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that's where I learned also how to sell. So yeah. I want to touch on those two things real quick and it, through the lens of communication, because I think yeah. for me personally, they were foundational in, in crafting how I communicate with people and using it, um, in a way that could not only further um, uh, uh, my personal career, my personal life. Um, but, um, also, you know, it, 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 it helped me understand how I could perhaps best help others. So, um, you know, from, from, from the church perspective, um, uh, you know, that I I've, I've actually been asked like if this is a Christian podcast and, uh, as far as I know, the, the podcast has not been saved. I just happen to know I'm, a lot. I'm of trying to get it saved right now. That's let's that's, get it saved. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually doing a secret mission journey into your podcast to save the whole thing. <laughs> so like, so, but, but like, I, I, I only say that because there's going to be some people who don't, who are not believers, but I, I just want to encourage if you are that person, um, to not, throw the the baby out with the bathwater because there's so much value and and knowledge and wisdom and 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 so much that you can learn from um a religious life. So just real quick, I want to ask like when you were uh learning throughout the church and growing throughout the church um and starting preaching, like how did that shape how you communicate one on one 
or one on a few, if you're like leading small groups and then one to a congregation, what are some things that you say, okay, I learned, you know, this, that, and the other thing that you could perhaps impart on somebody else, um, that, you know, if they're in the church or, or, or not yeah. could, could possibly apply. Yeah, man. Um, this it's funny cause I'm actually, uh, I actually am. I'm, I'm trying to work on so many things at the same time. I'm sure you go through this too, where you have so many different ideas and projects. So I, I told my wife the other day, I'm like, I got to put out a second edition of my book chatting with 100. Um, and, and it's all about public speaking and making that like taking public speaking and learning to communicate with a hundred, the same way you communicate in the, effectively with one or two people. Um, so anyway, that's a, a shameless plug for my book chatting with 100. You can get it on Amazon, but, um, but it's all about communication and telling your story. And, uh, and that's what, you know, I love the way you said it about in the church world. And this is not the tr the case in every church because there's so many denominations, so many different places and uh, all the different factors of who the pastor is and what the leadership's like. And some people have horror stories from church and some people have incredible stories. So it's just like a church in a sense is just like um, any other place where whoever's in leadership is going to oftentimes um, impact your view of that place, that corporation or that church. But, you know, thankfully for me, I had really good, I mean, I had really great parents, first of all, but I had, I had great youth pastors growing up in every situation I'd ever been in. And um, specifically when I had my, uh, you know, experience of really what I'd say was my conversion experience or meeting the Lord experience at age 15, I wasn't in a church. I wasn't, um, it was just really in my bedroom. I had just a real like, I can't explain it, but it was a very impacting moment where I felt like God was just trying to wake me up and say, Hey man, I want, I want to use your life for something greater. And, you know, I was a, I was a popular kid. I was in 10th grade. I was playing football. I was with all the popular kids. I could party with the seniors if I wanted to. And, um, yeah, I just remember like, like, what am I doing? And, and feeling that void of, I am built for something so much greater than wasting my time. Just like, you know, just partying and doing nothing, you know what I mean? Just kind of aimlessly living. And, and that experience at 15 years old, just like shaped my world so dramatically. And, um, I got very focused on, the future and on, on and my eternal destiny, my, my eternal purpose. And which in, in a sense, you know, it's not just about like heaven or hell necessarily, but just that when you get a perspective of God, having a purpose for your life, having a destiny for your life, it's going to change the way you live today. And it's going to change the way that you, that it should change everything about the way that you live. And, um, during that time, you know, I like, I had people that I was connected with. They saw that radical change in me and like youth pastors that I even go to their church, you know, got wind of it and were like, Hey, we want you to speak at this youth rally or this thing. And so I didn't, you know, I was just like, okay. So I just started speaking and preaching. And in the church that I was at, they would let me preach on Sunday morning every now and then or share something. And so it gave me a lot of room to fail forward, I guess, because it, you're not always a perfect speaker when you're a kid, but you're just passionate about something. And I would say this about the idea of communicating it's like, you got to find your message. Don't be a copy of anybody. Don't like, it doesn't matter. Like 
I, I remember the first time I preached and, and it felt so powerful. Uh, this was probably the second or third time, but it, but it was, I was just thinking about it the other day actually, and how it felt like an out of body experience. It, it genuinely did. Aaron. I felt like when I look back, I was, I think I was 16 and I was preaching and it was this outdoor event with 250 kids or something out there. And when I, I remember that night when I went home, I was thinking about it and I was like, I couldn't even remember seeing what I saw. All I could remember was seeing myself from an outside in for like, I was sharing so passionately about what I, what was, had happened to my life and what I felt like they needed to hear. And so again, for the listeners, this isn't about like that you need to be a religious person or something like that. But it's about when you have a message, when you have something that matters to you, then you don't have to um, form your life after anybody else. You can, you'll have something to say. You'll be, you'll have a way to impact without having to copy somebody else. And I think that's one of the most important things, Aaron, like in every, because even in every season of life, you know, I had to revisit that just a few years ago and go, well, who I, who am I now? And it was about like finding my message again, because it's not just about like a one-time experience, but what's my message? Who am I? What, what am I passionate about in the context of all these new things that God has brought into my life? And, um, so, you know, I think that that is most important is know your story and know your message. And if you don't feel like you have one yet, give it time and be patient. And, uh, and let that, sometimes you're right in the middle of writing your story or your book, your life right now is, you know, is the message that you'll be speaking in five years or 10 years, the struggle you're going through now and the way you, you do or don't overcome it will or will not be your message down the road based on how you respond. Um, so does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. I, I love what you're saying about how, you know, because we live in a noisy world and, you know, on average people are connected to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people uh, and, and let those voices inside uh, themselves through social media. We're, we're bombarded by messaging um, that we voluntarily let inside of our lives. And it can be, and I'm, I'm speaking from experience, it can be so distracting to the message that we actually have internal that we want to get out because we're so busy trying to process all the information from other people. So right. it's, it's great advice that you're giving that like people should, you know, try and quiet out the noise and understand, Hey, what is, what is my unique set of life experience and how has that set me up? to communicate to somebody else. I love that. Um, we've got, uh, I, I've got a few, I've got a lot of different questions and we can go a lot of different paths, but I do want, hey, um, just before we transition into, uh, kind of the community aspect, I want to ask you about, because you're a multidisciplined communicator in that you've, you've got the kind of the religious, um, and Christian background that you can communicate uh, with strength, but You've also, over the past few years, uh, you've also got the business acumen, but over the past few years, you've kind of um, evolved into and, and grown into the more political sphere. And that is a minefield in a, in a lot of oh, different yeah. ways. Oh, so yeah. I, I want to touch on that a little bit. I'm about to throw, speaking of people that know their message and are unabashed, 
uh, un, uh, yeah, not shy about communicating it. I want to throw some names out there um, that are definitely bombs that can just ignite a room, something that you probably don't want to bring up at Thanksgiving or Christmas. That's where, you know, when we're recording this around the holidays. But like I, I have in my notes here, and this is just uh, a funny uh, line to me, which is Kanye, Trump, communication styles and perception versus reality which is like we can that's a whole hour of a podcast probably yeah but um the reason i i framed it that way is because you know i don't know if it was earlier this year or what have you i actually recorded a podcast that says you know like in america everything is possible and i recorded that after kanye met with trump in the oval office and it was just such a meeting of it's wild. Yeah. It, it was just the wildest thing. Like anything can happen in America. Like it is just like, it is an unprecedented moment that through every, it just throws everything upside down and inside out from what we think should be happening. And even that, even if that's our perception, the reality is those two dudes are in, you know, are in the white house talking to each other about something. Right. And Right. Uh, as, as as time has gone on, obviously, Kanye has the ear of Trump. And I'm not trying to make this all about their relationship, but I want to I want to frame uh, like I just want to serve up the political conversation through the lens of these two very polarizing figures. Uh, one, you know, both from pop culture, but one's, you know, very, very much pop culture. And then the other, uh, Trump has, has really moved into the business and, and, and political sphere. And the reason I want to like kind of frame it up this way is because they've both had these like mega transitions in their careers of like, you know, from, uh, Trump from business to politics and then Kanye now from pop culture to, to religion. So I like, yeah. I, I know I'm kind of opening up a huge can of worms here, but you know, in the, through the lens of communication, um, I, I just want to get your opinion on the, the, the chaos that is politics, uh, with Trump, maybe a little, you know, uh, sprinkle of Kanye in there. And then I want to hear from you, you know, why you felt pulled to, um, communicating more about politics. Cause earlier you had talked about how like, Hey, you know, sometimes you just kind of want to be quiet and step back for a second. Cause I don't know. And there's so much information about uh, and going through politics that it's a dangerous thing to talk about politics. Now you can just like totally tank your own career and oh, yeah. everything. Yeah. If, if you're talking about it. So given yeah. all that, what you got to talk about? <laughs> oh man. Well, we know one thing is for sure. And everybody agrees on it. That Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. We, we know that for sure. Um, but uh, it's you know that 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 like tongue in cheek, totally kidding, halfway serious about that though. But it's like it's like that that alone, um, that reality alone. It, it, it like you know I started studying that kind of stuff. Honestly, probably, I don't know, uh, 2007 started just like trying to like figure out what was going behind on behind the mirrors, you know, the smoke and mirrors and like the term conspiracy theorist, it's like the easiest cop out for a non thinker. You know what I mean? It's like, oh man, well, you called me a conspiracy theorist. Well, you must be so sharp 
you you listen to Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC, and you decide between those which which perspective of that issue is correct. When the fact is that all three of those and all of those places and those sources are not talking about what's actually going on, and it's just smoke and mirrors to keep you numb and distracted and a slave. That's that's the fact of the matter. You know what I mean? And because if we can't be thinkers, if we if we're not, that's why I love the internet. I love the internet. I love the freedom that is on the internet. Um, although it's being, uh, you know, who knows how long that'll last, but I love the freedom that's on the internet because it allows for, it allows for independent journalists who are very, very gifted, um, to, independently research. You know, I, I think it's the funniest phrase when people say, oh, did you learn that from Google? And I'm like, no, I actually learned it from DuckDuckGo because I don't want Google tracking me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, but, but really I'm like, th- that's just a silly phrase because it's, it, it's another cop out. It's almost like saying like Google and DuckDuckGo and all these things, they're like, they're like the current library. You know what I mean? Totally. Like you can literally go and source everything. Um, and it's the same way if you go to a library, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to read this book, but then I'm going to figure out and make sure that the source of this book is credible. And maybe it's a biased source. And then I need, as a smart human being, that's an individual thinker, I need to decide what to think about that. And then I need to cross-reference with a different opinion. That's that's what happens when you go to a library in the 1950s, right? Like you have to read for yourself and no one would ever say, oh, did you learn that from the library? as a cut down. You know what I mean? It's like literally open source information on the internet. Oh, you learned that from the internet. Oh, you must be, Oh no, you didn't get that from the, the six news main news sources that are owned by, you know, are the main news sources that are owned by, you know, a few corporations that are owned by possibly just a few families that are making money off of brainwashing you. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's it's just silly to me. So back to your question, um, why did I speak up? Because it, it like when I started seeing, you know, I went through a really interesting political evolution over the years. With you know, grow, I mean, you guys can read my blog on on my site because I got a very you know, I talk about all this in, in a little bit more detail. But um, my growing up, growing up in Texas, growing up in a right wing family, um, you know, when I say right wing, I just mean conservative Republican, you know, voted red line across the board, um, went to move to Kansas City in 2008, had a friendship with a pastor there that really influenced my political thinking at the time. He was actually from uh, he was actually from. Amsterdam or Rotterdam. And so he, he, he moved to the United States. Um, and he was a black, he was a black guy and he moved to the United States and he went through the course to become an American citizen. You know, he had to go through that whole process of becoming a citizen. So he'd tell me, he's like, Blaze, I'm probably more of a citizen than you are. I probably know more about the constitution than you do. And I had, I had a little pocket constitution by the way. Um, but he was like, he, I mean, the dude was just, he just knew his stuff and he was proud to be an American because of what he had studied and to, in order to become that American citizen. And uh, he understood the power of being an American citizen in this world and, and the value of it or the benefit of it. Uh, it doesn't make you greater than anybody else. It's just currently in this time of history, it's a great opportunity. That's why there's a, that's one reason why there's an immigration problem 
coming to America because people want to come here, right? It's a good country. So I find it hilarious when you have people saying like, you know, they're going to move to Canada because of Donald Trump, but they didn't ever do it, you know, or that they've got to leave the country because it's so bad or it's so bad. Over. It's like, give me a break. The reason why we have a crisis is one reason it's because it's such a land of opportunity. Now we're not perfect by any means, but, um, but anyway, um, I found through those conversations with that person and some other things, I lived, I lived in downtown Kansas City in the ghetto for a while where you hear gunshots outside the door, not right outside my door, but like right down the street. Um, you know, it was, a, it was, I, I worked in a program called the justice program, you know, doing outreach and stuff like that. And, um, it was an interesting season of life and it really challenged me, you know, to think outside the box and, um, and not be so, not be so stuck in my political, um, ideas of just what I'd grown up with and not, not just be stuck without asking the questions, you know what I mean? Um, so that was very formative in my time. But yeah, man, I think I, I, I can't answer the question without, you know, obviously telling you about my backstory and these type of things. And then moving to move to Asheville, North Carolina in 2015, um, after my wife and I got married, we started a, we start, she started an Instagram account that grew to like 25,000 people. And we started hosting events and, um, Asheville is a very liberal city. I mean, very liberal. So it's like the Portland of, of the East. Um, it's, that's the way it's thought of. So, you okay. know, for, for a right-wing Christian kid that grew up a certain way to going to Kansas city, meeting this gentleman and having my thoughts kind of like molded a little differently than to moving to Asheville and being around. Everybody was a Bernie, Bernie supporter every until of course, Bernie bowed down to Hillary. Then they all became Hillary supporters, but, um, everybody was that side of the thing. And so I was wide open to becoming that side of the aisle. I just had told myself in my life on many issues, theological issues, political issues, on many things. I was like, I am going to be open. And because at the end of the day, it's not important what you think, it's important what's true, right? It's not, it, yeah. it, that's what's really important. And so uh, I had many great conversations with friends out there, are now former friends, because they, I mean, I, I got some nasty messages now from those people, but, uh, but I had great conversations with former friends who I, I would have loved to continue to be friends with out there at the time. Um, you know, political conversations, just thinking through different issues. And, um, that's what life's about. You know, we got to have these conversations. Like you gotta be, that's why it's just crazy to me when people aren't open to talking through things, you know, instead you just throw out like you're a racist or you're a Nazi or something like that, as though that's an argument. Yeah. You got to talk through issues and why we think what we think, because everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a reason why they're thinking what they're thinking. So, um, you know, lead up to 2016 at the, at the time of the election, man, there was just so much going on with Bernie and Trump. And, um, and I was actually wavering in my thoughts between the two of them. But when I saw what happened with, uh, you know, this is a whole other can of worms, which we don't have time to go into. But when I start, when I saw what happened with Julian Assange and WikiLeaks and Seth Rich and, um, and that whole situation, uh, which is a lot for people to research if they want to, man, I just realized like, okay, Bernie just got the whole entire election stolen from him. And, 
and he's pretty much okay with it. The, the woman he was bashing the entire time um, as a neocon, now he's telling all his young millennials to support her. And I mean, and I wasn't a, I wasn't a big Bernie bro at the time. So I wasn't like, I didn't go crazy or anything, but I saw people like go nuts. They got so pissed. They were just like, burn this whole thing down. Screw it. What, what's the point? You know? Um, but as I watched the whole thing and then I was listening to Trump, I was like, I think this guy has what it takes to lead this nation where we need to go. And um, there was a resonance on, on what he said. And he obviously is not perfect by any means, you know, he doesn't have a perfect history, but, but what I will say is as I've researched him, even during that time, I was like, the dude's been saying the same stuff for like 30 years, like actually consistent in his messaging for like 30 years um, back when he was on late night shows in the eighties. I mean, saying these same type of things. And uh, so he's always been the same dude and he does not care at all what the media thinks about him he never has i loved watching one of the interviews back in i think it was like early 2000s where he just talked the guy from cnn he was like this interview's over dude like he took off his thing and just walked out and i mean he had the same mindset toward the the uh the the brainwashing of the media at that time as he still has now and you know i think the left is waking up to it as well you know a lot of people on the left are waking up to it too that like you know, the media is not like, it's not on our team. When you have, when you have ABC, um, you know, James O'Keefe pulled out that, that, uh, that video of the ABC news anchor saying, yeah, I had the story on Jeffrey Epstein three years ago and they wouldn't let me put it out. And then like, and then that goes out and the whole world sees that video. And then she backtracks. Well, no, I was just expressing frustration. It's like, no, you just want your paycheck. You just want to stay in the millions of dollars because all these people, and I'll, I'll end with this, Aaron, pass it back to you. But all these media corporation people, they are making, they are the elite. They sit up there and talk like talking heads, but dude, they're paid so much money to just sit up there and talk and they don't necessarily get to all give their opinion. They are controlled as you heard, even from like the CNN, uh, the James O'Keefe, uh, project Veritas thing, where he came out with that, that audio from Jeff Zucker from the CNN conference calls where he told them what they have to focus on. It's like, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you think you have to say, cause these are all corporations. That's why I love podcasts. That's why I love the internet. That's why I love left-wing independent journalists, right-wing independent journalists, libertarian independent journalists, like people that are allowed to say and think what they want. And yeah, I hope I want them to make money. I hope we need to support independent journalists, but they're not just sitting up there as corporations controlled based on a paycheck, but they actually are doing the research and they're fighting for it. And, um, and man, that's, you know, I didn't really get into Kanye there, but that's why I started to see the lens of Trump and, uh, Kanye is a whole different story. So <laughs> it is, but, uh, I like what you're saying. Uh, and, and I, I, I agree. Um, I think the kind of common thread that you're, that we're talking about too, is, is it's the necessity for people to take ownership of their own media diet mm -hmm. as well as their own, their own voice and understand that you and I, even though we're you and I and anybody listening has the ability to do the research um, and understand what's going on um, to a, a greater degree than just getting fed the headline. And now that we do have that opportunity, I think people have the responsibility 
to read past the headline. You can, you can take it at face value, but always only take it at face value until you have a, a better understanding of the facts, because otherwise you are letting somebody else's opinion become your own. And that could be a really dangerous place to be, especially if you care. Uh, it, like you said, what really matters is the truth. And, right. you know, it, it's, it's difficult, you know, because we don't always have the facts and it's, you know, you want to put trust in, you know, these, these bigger uh, voices that might have more resources than we do, but it's becoming more and more apparent that, you know, everybody's human and everybody's flawed and everybody's subject to getting influenced by, you know, some other realm of power. And it's really I to, important I, that, I that people, yeah, just one second. I, I, like, yeah, it's ahead, really important ahead. that people, people understand the power that they have in their own voice. And even, yeah. even in the face of the mob, I suppose is what you're saying, uh, is, yeah. is what I'm saying is like, even in the face of the mob and, 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 you know, uh, uh, a lot of pushback. It's important yeah. that we own what we believe in, and kind of if we're going to do the uh, the the callback to Kanye, you know, the free thought. Like he 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 kept saying, you know, it, I'm about free thought and just yeah, independent thinking and ha owning my own opinion. And yep. you know, there's a lot of people taking it a, a, a lot of different ways, but that's kind of the, the tie in of like, Hey, I put on that hat and I know that I can, it, I can just share my own piece, but what, what were you right. going to add on to that? No, no, no. This is great stuff, man. You, you had said something that just, it, 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 uh, triggered a thought in me. Like when you talked about, you know, how we, we want to trust those with more resources. Like you look at like a ABC or an NBC or a CNN or a Fox or whatever you want. It's like, of course we should trust them because they've got, they've got so much money and opportunity to do the research or even fly somebody over to do the research. Or it's like, it seems like those would be the people that be able to get down to the truth. But then, you know, one of the funniest videos I ever saw, and I did a video on this on my YouTube channel was, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's, it's not funny. It's sad, but it's like, the the situation in Syria where they sh they supposedly showed a uh, bombing in Syria of the Kurds and the Syrians and and it came out that that video yeah. was pulled from YouTube off of a Kentucky gun range and like right. Aaron I just was like I was literally just mind blown because I didn't I don't want to just be like like in this in the in the um, spirit of what you're saying of like finding our own voice even like the the red pill movement or the the conservative movement can easily quickly become just a parroting movement of Trump and be like oh the fake news or something like that and just say what Trump says or say what Charlie right. Kirk says or you know what i mean and it's like but but when i watched that i was just like well i'm going to use my own brain here abc has millions of dollars like they just somebody just threw this together and took was like, oh well, that looks really bad. What, how can we make the the how can we make the American public see a uh, a violent situation and look really bad and and then cry out for us to go to war or something or be mad? Oh, we'll take this it, it, from a Kentucky gun range and say it's from Syria. So not to not to belabor that, but just it's wild to me, man. It's it's totally wild to me. Um, with Kanye, I just. I, when I saw Kanye do the whole MAGA hat thing, 
um, I was definitely like, I was like, man, that dude is, that dude's got guts, you know? Um, (laughs) cause everybody calls him crazy all the time. You know, it's like, um, and you know, he even talks about his own mental breakdown stuff that he had, but I was, I was watching that happen. And I was just like, man, that is a powerful statement. And then of course, you know, leading to the point where he, um, you know, made his commitment to Christ and put out Jesus as King. And I see even in, even in the people that I agree with on most things, I see all kinds of opinions about that. Some people are like, Oh yeah, he's just faking it to make money. Look, he's like selling $25 socks with Jesus as King on him. Like there's no way he's a Christian, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, I don't, I don't really care. Like I'll buy the socks. Like I'm just, he's actually saying things that some Christians are afraid to say, like he's, he's more bold than most Christians are. So, but, um, you know, he, he's definitely a picture of somebody that is, has been finding and has found, you know, what's the, um, what's the, the blogger that I can't remember his name, but he talks about when you're finding your voice, you know, some people are afraid to share their message while they're still learning their message. Um, and I, it's kind of like the, uh, the journey of the Lord of the Rings. You've got Frodo who's figuring this thing out as he's going then, and, it's okay to share your journey while you're going, because that's going to help some people. As long as you're honest that you're still figuring it out, you know, um, yeah. you're, you're talking like a novice, but you're on the journey. Then you got like the Aragorn, the King that's, that's halfway there. And he's a little further down the road. And sometimes you've got more of it. And then you're like the Gandalf who's the expert or whatever. So I think we all are on these different levels of these journeys in different topics. You know, I can't come out and talk as a businessman and be like, act like I've got everything down. I've only been doing, you know, outside of the church world business, like four years now. And so, but I mean, I'm doing a heck of a job at it, but I'm still like the, I'm on, I I will always admit in this time, like I am on the path. I'm, I am following a mentor lockstep right now. And I'll say all of my success is based on me following that mentor. You know, when it comes to religion and spirituality and those things, I could talk like an expert for hours. But um, anyway, I I don't know if that that's off topic, but just some things. No, no, that's great. That's a that's a I think that's a great summary uh, point in that, like, you have to know who you are, what your strengths and weaknesses are, where you have holes. And um, but, you know, ultimately, where you have expertise speak with confidence. And, you know, if, 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 even if you're like, Hey, I don't know all the facts, but there's something awry here. And I think everybody should take a second look or, you know, something like that. We should always just feel confident and, and know that it's okay to share when you don't know, uh, as long as you're honest about it. I, I, I like what you're saying. Um, we're, 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 we're running shorter on time. Yeah, so, man. uh, I, I want to transition, um, real quick to community and we'll kick off this, um, you know, and the, I'm not like real strict on these, you know, these pillars or what have you, because I feel that the, the, the listener, if, if you're really keenly listening throughout, you know, our conversation, a conversation like this, you can pick up different themes of strong communication, community building, um, you know, throughout it implicitly, you know, so like, I love giving the practical point, but I think, I think you just dropped some excellent gems, you know, through just us navigating through this conversation of, you know, how someone can take, you know, these, these points of, you know, uh, what these, these examples of strong communicators, even if they're polarizing, um, I, I think there's, there's things, there's gems that can be taken and, and, and internalized and, um, 
expressed through anybody's uh, work in life. So, uh, but to, to, to transition into community, uh, there's two things I want to ask you about. Uh, first is the village question. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the village question. It's a recurring question that I have on strong Calm podcast. And it goes like this real curious about uh, uh, your thoughts on this. So the village question is pretty simple. It's just uh, imagine you're building a village. Okay. <laughs> Akin to Kanye going to Wyoming, maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but imaginary uh, village, you're building a village and there's no people in it, but you want to get some people together. Uh, but it's up to you to bring those people that you want to, to be around um, uh, to, to make a healthy community. Um, so you have four signs, uh, you know, facing, you know, four different directions that you can place a one value or principle on each sign. So uh, to, to attract the people that you want to be around to your village. So I, I want to ask what four values or principles would you put um, on those signs to attract people that you want in your village? Man, that's huge. Um, that's a great question. I like that. Um, I'm trying to think of the words that would best describe the, the things I'm thinking. I, uh, and these aren't in any like order of importance, but I'd say the first word that comes to mind is faith. And when I say faith, I don't necessarily mean like a specific, uh, creed to a, you know, or, or religion, but, but faith, you know, the belief, high belief level, there's a feeling that you get when you're around somebody that believes in themselves, that believes in their potential. And because when you believe in your potential, you can believe in other people's potential, right? Yes. When you don't believe in yourself, then like, that's why leaders have, that's why that, that's like leaders that are good leaders will learn to quickly take people with them, you know, and take people to the next level. There's a difference between like a leader who inspires and a manager who just kind of like passes out duties and helps you clock in and clock out and gives you a paycheck. But, uh, I, I think faith is the number one thing. And, um, I said, I said no order of importance, but that's definitely <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind. Um, so just a high belief level and, and within faith is positivity. That's like a, that's, you know, that's one way that I would um, define faith, I think is just positive expectation of good things to come, continued, persevered, positive expectation of good things to come, even in the face of failure. Because if you're going to build a village, or you're going to um, create a home or a place for people to reside, you're bound to run into problems and you're bound to run into obstacles. And I think, um, you know, having that persevering positivity that I would call faith is the thing that can get you through anything. It doesn't matter how bad your life gets. If you're still breathing, then we got a shot. Right. right. Everything's okay. Oh, well, I'm broke. I'm all this. I'm in prison. I'm this. like, okay, are you alive? We got a shot. Right. So I think that's the number one thing. Um, and then, uh, probably the second thing would be, um, I'm going to wrap these two words in, in one, but, but compassion or love, love and compassion. I would, I think that would be the second thing, um, that I'd put in there. And, um, and that's important to me. And, you know, some people, um, like 
even with with my sharing my political thoughts and my political bent and um what what's so i had i had the most intense conversation with a former friend uh from 2015 that was just so mad at me but he just hell bent on being in this certain mindset that he couldn't hear anything i was saying outside of it and he said you're spreading hate mm-hmm. you know and I, I just thought wow this is the most that is that is uh it, it, you know that is the highest insult you could give to me. And it's fine because at the end of the day, as it, what matters about you is that you know who you are, regardless of what anybody else says to you. But I would say at the end of the day, at the core value of my entire life is love and compassion. Um, and I, I think that that would be the most um, another very, very important thing that I'd put in there because in love and compassion doesn't always look like the exact same thing in every situation. But I think that it's, uh, for me personally, that's having a sensitivity and this is what it means to me, having a sensitivity to the heart of God, the heart of the father that cares for every single person. And, um, and knows how to how to love and serve each person in the place that they're at and mm-hmm. have having a sensitivity outside of my thought process boundaries to even break my thought process or my beliefs if it requires to act in more love does that make sense yeah like sometimes our sometimes our beliefs will hinder hinder us stepping out in love so 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 love would be the second thing. Uh, um, like I told you before we started talking, I talked for a long time on each thing you asked me. So I got faith and I got love and compassion. Um, two more. Oh man. Um, I think I would say, uh, and it's hard to say, put this one in a word, but the word is elders. That's the word that comes to me. Elders like, and, and I don't necessarily mean old people, but older people, you know, elders. I think the fathers and the mothers are very like, okay, so this is funny, but okay, boomer, right? This, this whole <laughs> thing that's going on right now, like, and, and probably people listening to me, if they're like in their twenties and like, whatever, dude, you're okay, boomer, you know, but, um, I just turned 37 last week. So, you know, I'm feeling it, but, but for real though, I mean, I feel so, I, I feel so young in heart and spirit, but I see, like, I value my dad more than anything right now because I have a daughter and I'm just like, did my dad look at me this way? The way I look at her. Yeah. Did my mom look at me this way? The way I look at her? like, like, it's just mind blowing. And I just, I'm like, I can't believe I put them through some of the stuff I put them through, you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, and I was, I was a pretty good kid, but I'm just like, man, you know, um, I think like we need that next generation and some, and they need us too, because, uh, because they don't know how to use their iPhones. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but they need us too. you know, they need our perspective too. And, and maturity doesn't necessarily come in years all the time. It, it comes in teachability through experiences, but, um, but, but there's way more experiences on that side when it comes to the next generation. So I, I would not want a village without the elders. Um, and that doesn't mean that I have to be an elder. So the last thing, um, I, the last thing would be, um, joy man just good entertainment joy music like happiness fun so those would be the four i love that man thank you i i, I love those uh I, i'm having a lot of fun with this question because every single time it's like four completely different answers and it's just like yeah. it's just so interesting uh to hear so I, I really appreciate that those are those, those are awesome those are awesome so transitioning into the company piece and 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 working on a business you work remote you do a lot of but you're leading a huge team, like you said before. So 
what is community building like for somebody who works remote most of the time? You probably haven't met a lot of your agents face to face. How do you keep them fired up uh, as if you're all in the same building working on that same mission? How how do you keep people like rolling even if they have a, a setback? Yeah, man. Um, great question. So it's cool the way our the way our business is structured. Um, you know, I've got there's there's three SVPs or senior vice presidents, and they're all at the three hundred thousand or above mark, which is that that premium mark I talked about earlier. But there's a gentleman named Aaron, and he's above me, and he's been in the business for ten years. Um, he's incredible at what he does, and he's he's my, you know, he's one of my rocks for sure that got helped me get where I'm at. There's another gentleman named Nick, um, who works alongside of us. And then there's me. And I came up underneath Aaron as an, another SVP. So within my company, I've got, you know, 40, 45, but we're all under the umbrella of Aaron's group. And Aaron has probably, um, you know, I'd say 90 or so I'm about half of his group and half of his volume. And so I've watched the way he led, and this would be, you know, this would be, um, kind of on the point earlier about the elders, like, I mean, Aaron's my age, but he's been doing this a long time. So I just watched a lot of his tendencies and his strengths of how he communicated. Um, you know, there's a book called fierce conversations. I want to recommend, I can't even remember who wrote it now, but fierce conversations, because in this business, um, we're all 1099, you know what I mean? I, I mean, do we, and we've got some big hitters, like people that are making multiple six figures, they haven't even built their own teams. They're just out there crushing it. And then you got people that struggle just to get by, you know, and, um, but there's ups and downs for everybody and learning to have those fierce conversations was huge for me because to me, that just means you're willing to tell people the truth. Cause if you coddle people, then you're just helping them on their way out. You know what I mean? When they're going through their rough time, if you just agree with everything they say and like try to make them feel good, then it's like, you're just helping them go broke and, and not win. But to you got, especially in a, in a sales community, because we really are like a family in a lot of ways. Um, I'd say some practical tools would be, you know, just group texting. And when I say group texting, I don't mean everybody like the 40 people can all text back and forth. It's me as the leader has a texting app that I can text everybody at the same time. And if they respond, it just comes to me. Um, so that's important to uh, the messaging. It's got to be consistent messaging. You know, I try, I try to send something out every day, but I'd say probably at least three or four times a week in the morning because I start my day early and I try to get myself inspired. I listen to something encouraging or read something encouraging. I journal every single morning, like every single morning I'm journaling something about my goals, about life or whatever's going on. And then I'm, I'll type up something to my team and I'll shoot it out like, you know, 9am Eastern, which is 8am central. And I'll just make sure it hits everybody. And that's just a very simple thing that I do. Um, we've got team conference calls that we do every single week. Um, so we just get, encourage everybody to plug in and we're always messaging to people. And then, um, and then those one-on-one -on -one calls are huge, you know, just, reaching out. Hey, how's it going? I noticed I hadn't heard from you in a few days. Like how are things going? Or I hadn't seen anything from you in the last week or two. Like how, how's things going? So, um, I think just letting people know that, know that we're here, know that we care. I, I think that's probably the biggest way that I've cr helped create that community within my team. Love that. Love that. And yeah, that's, that's a big, uh, that's kind of the core of the idea of strong calm. Like this, this idea that I had of like, 
communication. We need to have the skills to where we can go one to many. Uh, but we also have to have the empathy and understanding and shared values and sense of mission to go one-on-one and really be able to relate to, to build that community. Yeah. And it's like, that takes patience, man. It takes time. That one-on-one, it's a whole different level. It's easy to send out a mass text. It's easy to say really awesome and positive, encouraging things. It's hard to stay on the phone for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour at 10 PM when someone's going through it, you know, it's harder. So yeah. 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 But that's where the winner's I, you know, that's, that's where the opportunity is. That's That's because it's hard. That's where the value, uh, lies. So man, um, what what do you got in, in your sites for 2020? 2020, um, yeah, 2020, man. Um, I, so I hit a point probably in the last year or the last six months where I just self-evaluation is big. You know, you, you got to self-evaluate not, and you never want to beat yourself up, but you always want to be honest with yourself. So, you know, I like, from 2016, where I was, you know, I love Facebook memories because they just pop up and they remind you what was going on a few years ago. And I had all these yeah. hill, hill quotes um, from Think and Grow Rich in 2016. And um, now I had, we, we were so broke and just struggling to get by, scraping by. And I was, I had just gotten in the, in the sales business and I was going to go out and figure this thing out. And lo and behold, I figured it out. But you can get, it's easy to get comfortable. You know, it's easy to get comfortable into, um, to just like hit a certain place and go, okay, we're like here, but there's so much more, you know? And I, I, it's like, I'm not satisfied. I'm, I'm not content. I'm not content, I guess, or I'm happy, but not, but discontent, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, because I know my potential. And so for 2020, I'm going all in on my business at an, another level. You know, I just got in a 12 month lease in a new office space and that's going to help me with an extra level of focus for recruiting. You know, I'm going to double, we got 40 agents. Now we need to be at 80 to a hundred, you know, within the next year. And uh, I'm going all in on my business. Now, insurance, I love it because it serves people. I love it mainly though. What I love about what I do is that I help other people go out and serve people and it changes their lives. I love hiring people and all of a sudden they get good at it and they start having fun and they start making good money that they've never made before and their lives are changed. That's, that's one of the most enjoyable things to me about what I do. Now, my, my other passions, which I would say are my driving passions outside of my family, um, would be, um, influencing the world, man. I want to impact to a whole nother level. I want to, um, I just want to impact. I'm going to, I'm going to be looking at, you know, doing more speaking and things like that. And, um, so somehow while I'm doing all the stuff I'm doing with my business, I'm believing for new opportunities to arise for doing some traveling and some speaking and things like that. So, um, so that's where I'm headed, man. I'm going to write another book this year. Um, I probably two, actually, I've got two books in my mind right now and I'm going to try to get those out this year and just going to be blogging and putting out videos consistently. I've got a new video series called Wake Up and Win that I'm doing pretty consistently now on YouTube. So um, got a lot there, man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no shortage of things to work on, but I think that's a... Uh... I mean, that's, that's what we, that, that's what we're here to do. I think, uh, yeah. you know, uh, is, is to, to find and live out the purpose, uh, yeah. that, you know, we were brought here for. So, man, I really appreciate you uh, being a guest and, um, man, if there's anything I can do to help, uh, you 
further your mission in 2020 and beyond, just let me know. Uh, I think a lot of people Same with are you, gonna, bro. Same thank with you. you. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people can get value out of this. Um, follow Blaze on Twitter and YouTube and sign up for his newsletter. And he's got, he's pretty much everywhere. So, uh, yeah. Blazefray.com. Get, get on Blazefray.com. You can find everything there. So. Awesome, man. Sweet, man. Well, uh, appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Bye.